Welcome back to Campbell Conversations with your host Colin Campbell and today is episode 139 of the podcast and it is a solo Q&A with me answering the questions sent in by you on Instagram and on my email list. There are 29 questions to get through and these include my thoughts on controlling emotions, a guest I disagreed with, ending a relationship with a sponsor, getting celebrities phone numbers, Joe Rogan and much more. I hope you all enjoy this one. I like doing these Q&As because I've always said as a host, I don't want to make the podcast about me. Instead, it's about the guest and the topic that we're covering. So by doing a solo one every 10 episodes, I get to tell you a little bit more about my story and dive into areas that you are interested in hearing about me. Today's podcast is sponsored by you, or at least it could be. I recently made some big investments and upgrades to the equipment and the back-end software that I use for the podcast, including the mic that you're hearing this on, and I have plans to keep on upgrading the quality of the podcast and having more studio episodes, which of course there's a fiscal investment in doing so. Many of you know I don't drink coffee, but I do like getting caffeinated, and you can now support the podcast and buy me a coffee at buymeacoffee.com forward slash call Cambro, and show your support for the show and keep me feeling fueled up and energized and bringing you more high quality episodes. The link to buy me a coffee will be in the show notes, and you can sign up and buy me a £5 coffee today, or if you're feeling really generous, you can buy me a couple of coffees too. There's not much more to say before they get into this one. 29 questions. It's a fast-paced episode, lots of um, variation within it, and I'm sure you all enjoy it. If you do enjoy it, please slide into my DMs at call.camera on Instagram, and I look forward to hearing from you. Let's go right now. We are back with another solo Q&A and this time I'm coming to you with the first episode I've recorded with the new mic that I've got. So let's see how this audio quality is. I'm sure I'll get used to how far or how close I should stand it to make the absolute best audio. But we have 29 questions to get through, some real thinkers in amongst this one and some funny ones too. So I'm looking forward to getting into it right now. Question one. Do you believe we choose our emotions or do they just happen? I think it's very hard to choose your immediate reaction to something, at least new things anyway. Can I choose how to react to things I'm used to experiencing? Probably more so, but new stimulus or slightly unique experiences? No, I think your animalistic brain will respond. However, if I can't choose my immediate emotions, so what comes to me straight away, I can try and be more stoic or calm shortly afterwards, if not immediately. By creating a gap between the stimulus and the response, I allow myself to control my emotions more so. Something I spoke about with Tej Talks, who is a property developer and investor and a a coach, and he's worked on being more stoic than going nuclear when he gets bad news about um, a property deal or a refurbishment that's going on and I can certainly resonate with that. I actually got an email um, just today at the time of recording from a colleague that was putting the brakes on a deal that I'm working on for one of my bigger projects for a client and my immediate reaction when they were being challenging and slowing me down was anger, frustration, annoyance but It's my responsibility to breathe, review their concerns, understand what parts of what they've said are valid and need addressed. And then how do I move forward to either bring them on the journey with me or address their concerns and then move forward? Because if I just reacted angrily or with frustration or annoyance to their email immediately, then showing that emotion is going to put me in a a worse position and put them in a worse position too and probably sour the relationship for for future um, projects together. So instead... I can choose to sit with my immediate emotion and then move on from there. So I do think your emotions just happen and you cannot necessarily choose your immediate one, but you can choose how you move forward from there. That's quite a stoic approach for those that are interested in that kind of thing. Anything by Ryan Holiday would be a good read. Question two, what gives you the confidence when hosting big guests? You never seem nervous or ruffled. Thanks. I I do feel pretty calm during any interview and I can share a bit on why shortly, equally, When the nerves come, they typically come in the moments before I go on the video call. Now, what I do is I flip the language from nervous to feeling excited. And that's something I spoke about with Hannah Huseman when she was on the uh, podcast. She's a mental performance coach for the Texas Rangers. 
And she shared this, that nerves are just to be viewed as excitement that are getting you ready to perform at your best. It's heightening your senses to help you towards peak performance. So beyond me deciding before I get on a call, maybe I'm talking a little bit faster, maybe I'm a little bit animated. I'm not nervous. I'm excited for what's to come. Now, beyond this, I actually use three steps, probably or three things before the daunting podcast with a high level or intellectual guest. Now, sometimes you might never have heard of the guest as a listener, but I know who they are in terms of the space they're in and they're really intellectual and they're very clued up in the subject. So I'm probably more nervous or more excited and have nervous energy before those podcasts than I do with somebody that's maybe super high profile. Now, everyone knows that's been listening for a while or been following Instagram knows I love alliteration. So all three of these steps begin with R. And the first that helps me to prepare and be confident for a guest is research. So knowing the guest, what have they done? What have they said? What's their background? What are the areas that I'm going to go with them? The third is role play in practice. So verbalizing some of the questions. Now, very few of my questions are scripted, but I will have normally the opening question or some of the topic area questions written down in front of me. And I've done so many reps now that the kind of role play practice element is that I am practiced in having these conversations. So obviously my confidence should be higher than when I first started. And the third is actually resetting mindset. So there's three ways to do this. In advance of a podcast, I can listen to music that is very like uplifting or or soothing, depending on what kind of mood I need to be in for that type of conversation. And music definitely t- dictates mood equally. Like you can just listen to uh, another good podcast or something like that that will help me to get and reset my mind and get me ready. Uh, a, a trick that I told my email list recently is the mirror smile. Now it's proven that when you hold a smile and you look at it for between 10 to 15 seconds, it starts to release the chemicals and the neurons in your brain, which make you feel happy. Now, I've done this in a few different situations, one in work recently, and then one also um, socially, where I was a bit uncomfortable with the situation I was about to thrust into. And it definitely does help in terms of like holding the smile, looking at yourself, seeing yourself happy. That is a good thing. And the third of the ways to reset yourself is movement as well. So uh, I I know some podcasters do press-ups or train or swing kettlebells before they uh, podcast. I sometimes will walk and I also stand for my podcast as well because I feel that I can deliver more agilely agilely with my mind and my movement and my my thought process when I'm standing. Equally, that's difficult when you're in a studio. I don't do that in a studio, but... 90% of my podcasts are recorded over StreamYard and Zoom. So that's my process, the three R's. Anyway, question three, what areas from journaling have you identified as a priority focus for your self-development? Going into journaling just over two and a half years ago now, my main focus was improving my self-talk and recognizing the good that I was doing and can do because I was quite negative for my self-talk. I'd actually just ended the relationship before the start of COVID and I felt I was causing quite a lot of heart and pain and I was feeling like I could potentially be like too demanding of the standards I expected of people around me. Now I've since worked on this and I've thought through it and I understand why and how that that particular um, situation came to be. But the focus with journaling led me to framing how I can have a positive impact through leading by example for myself, but also for others and how that's actually a good thing. And there's a phrase, a rising tide raises all ships. And if I can be a positive influence and a rising tide for myself and others around me, that's a great contribution to those around me. So a priority focus for me was improving my self-talk through my journaling, improving how I view my actions and ensuring that I'm doing good deeds for myself, but also for those around me to support them. Question four, have you got tickets for any of the Jordan Peterson live shows? Yes, I'm going on the 6th of September in Glasgow. I haven't got any of the other ones. Question five, do you take a daily supplement stack? And there was a couple of questions in this vein, what supplements do you take? Yes, uh, I've had a daily supplement box for about 10 years now. Having a little pill box is absolutely vital for you actually doing it. You put out seven of each vitamin or tablet that you're going to take to make sure you adhere to it. Even as a child, my parents gave us vitamins. So I guess I've been taking supplements for, for as long as I can remember, but I've refined this and it's probably been about the same for probably between five or six years now in terms of the ones that I have. Uh, first up is vitamin D3, and I take 10,000 IU, which is important in terms of the dosage. Anything 
under 4,000, you're pretty much wasting your time. We get limited sunshine in the UK, and even during the periods of summer when we do have sunshine, it's not quite, it's not always enough to have sufficient uptake of vitamin D for our skin, and you might not get exposure to it in terms of your arms, your legs, and your torso. And there's so many upsides to um, vitamin D, but also it's a bit of a, a, a it's a bit of a gateway um, product in terms of it allows you to greater uptake other um, uh, vitamins and minerals that you take as well. I actually interviewed Dr. Daniel Owens on this back in November 2020. It was somewhere in the 40s, I think the episode will be. So if you scroll back, you'll learn more about vitamin D. Second supplement is vitamin C and that helps with growth and repair of body tissue formation of collagen and also the absorption of iron so a lot of what you're taking as a supplement is allowing you to absorb other things that you're getting through food or for other supplements as well third up is vitamin oh no it's not vitamin it's omega-3 and 6 and that improves your heart health reduces inflammation improves your brain health and your cognitive function which of course leads to better mental health as well fourth uh turmeric so that was mainly driven by joint pain and inflammation. We live in an extremely high inflammation environment, but I also was experiencing some joint pain with my knees, particularly when I was at my leanest. I was finding that I was extremely sore in terms of my in my knees when I was leg pressing or even when I was doing lots and lots of steps. And I found that turmeric has been a good way to help that. Now, the fourth supplement is nothing to do with like health really and uh, like gym performance or anything like that it's finasteride and that's preventing hair loss now um i experienced quite a lot of recession probably when i was like 17 18 and i was pretty worried about losing my hair so i got onto finasteride when i was about 21 finasteride is a pretty intense supplement and it blocks the dht receptors and dht is the hormone which causes hair loss before even considering doing anything about finasteride, do your research because there are potentially some large side effects and percentages of the population. And I spoke with uh, Darren Lee on the podcast on episode 125 on this one. And Darren actually has a discount for the company that I use, Suns. Um, so that was really, really good. And there's various different hair loss remedies on Suns. And one of them is uh, finasteride, which I've taken since I was 21. Last supplement, by no means least, is uh, creating the kind of bodybuilding strength training requirement of five grams a day every day forever is the plan so strength performance muscle fullness recovery it's got it all really and uh, have a really in-depth episode and it was incredibly popular actually with dr darren Cando, and that was episode 122 if people want to go down the rabbit hole on all things creating question seven i put it as but it's actually six i've skipped one <laughs> okay um why is it important to share what we learn well, it's, it's like a quite a philosophical way to take that. So I suppose, I think it's a big driver behind a lot of the free content creation you see online. And I think there's two central reasons that come to mind when it comes to sharing your content or sharing what you are and what you're doing online or and maybe, or even if you're somebody that listens to an interesting podcast and shares that with a friend. I think you're helping others to fast track a process that you've gone through and get there faster than they would do if they did it themselves or you're helping them avoid the pain or failure you did to achieve whatever it is they're working towards or whatever it is that you've already learned and can help them with now the second element is slightly more selfish than that and i seem to say this in every couple of episodes because a lot of my guests kind of go down this line of thinking but by explaining a concept idea or lesson to others you actually help reinforce the lesson yourself so by taking the time to refine something into understandable terms so that you can communicate it to someone else so that they can action it, you make it clearer in your own mind too. You take something that feels second nature to you or something that you've done before and you break it down into step-by-step process, which makes sense to someone else who doesn't have your current level of experience. So why you share what you learn is, one, it helps others to avoid the pain that you did or get there faster. And two, it can reinforce the lesson to yourself and help remind you of why it was so important that you knew this. Question eight, what are your stats right now? By this, I'm going to take physical stats. So I'm five foot 10 and 73 kilos, which is in centimeters, 178 centimeters and 168 pounds. So I'm about a kilo and a little bit up from the 12 week peak photo shoot and eating a lot more food and doing a lot, a lot less steps, which is um, a lot easier for my lifestyle. 
Question number nine, biggest gym pit hates, right? I'll give you two standard ones and then I'm going to try and give you a third that's a bit more nuanced than you might not have heard before. So the two standard ones, number one, people refusing to let others work in the equipment they're using or just being really awkward. Part of that would be like two people who are training together. So let's say I'm doing push with my friend and the P on this mic is quite strong. I'll, I'll work on that future episodes, don't worry. So two people training together, doing the same movement. So let's say I'm training to push my friend and we're both doing incline bench. It's logical for you and your friend to share the bench and one work while the other rests, but you quite often see people like hogging two benches when you're both together, probably both like training at the same time. It's like you should be sharing the equipment. I, I think people should be allowed to work in. And if you don't have enough rest time for somebody to work in with you, then you're doing this bodybuilding or strength training thing all wrong. Uh, second one right people who drink straight out of the water fountain now a lot of people are like oh my god like like during covid and the pandemic people were panicking about like getting other germs through that but like even before that <laughs> why were you not like worried about somebody slathering down the water fountain i just think it's disgusting so bring a bring a bottle bring a shaker and be equipped right third one and there's a bit more nuanced and it's gonna be a bit ranty but unsolicited advice from the random old guy who walks around the gym wearing a belt for every exercise every single gym has got one sometimes two i've definitely been the ones that had more than two and <laughs> they're always the old guy that gives you like just comes up and wants to tell you about his way of training or his advice on nutrition now the problem with this is they typically have some semblance of muscle but they've never been in like really really good shape and they tend to be quite strong on one or two different movements but of course, they'll tell you like in their heyday, like I used to have arms like you, or I used to be able to train like you before X, Y, or Z happened. And these guys always have pretty terrible form on most of their movements. They'll maybe have like a really strong bench press or something like that. And their advice will be terrible in training and nutrition. Like I saw it the other day in the gym, like this guy just lecturing these two young guys who are obviously super impressionable. And they see this older guy with, like I say, a bit of a semblance of muscle. So maybe he doesn't know what he's talking about. He's he's wearing all the gear, but he's definitely got no idea. So yeah, that's my that's my gym pay. Number 10, <laughs> I, I laughed when I included this. How's the new podcast, Mike? Well, I used it for the intro for Pat Devley, which was out on Wednesday there. And this is the first full episode. So hopefully you're enjoying it. I am looking at improving on the P's though I can hear them like kicking back on my headphones just now, but we'll see. It's just another investment though, as I'm trying to bring the best quality podcast that I can within the means that I've got. So thank you to anyone that's continued to support the show and share it with friends or um, bought me a coffee or buy me a coffee, which is something that I launched to try and cover the cost of some of the stuff that I'm upgrading with the podcast. So we're, we're keeping going on the, on the quality front. Question 11, greatest quote from one of your guests. I had so many to choose from when I was thinking about this but I've recently been thinking about the topic of confidence more. And my main guest who addressed that was actually Dr. Aziz. And that was back in January, 2021 on episode 49. And I'm going to share the quote with you just now. He said, if you go work out and say, I don't want to feel uncomfortable at all, you're probably not going to grow very much. It's the same with confidence. I often say confidence is a muscle and we can build that through repetitions of doing what makes us uncomfortable. I love examples of when we can work on traits and qualities and skills like a muscle, because I've seen success through physical training. A lot of the people that listen to this podcast, their entry to self-development will have been lifting weights. And if you can employ the same framework to different areas of life you want to improve on. So confidence, public speaking, dating, relationships, reading, studying, growing your business in the same way, then I, I love that. So I love that Dr. Aziz used the opportunity to relate to this audience with an example of how to grow confidence like a muscle by doing things that make us uncomfortable, get into that growth zone. Question 12, somebody's been observant. Uh, you've not been on holiday since pre-COVID. What would the dream day on holiday look like? Uh, I was last away in September 2019 to Ibiza of all places. And there's probably two ways I can answer this one. One question, one, the short one would be, I'd love to go back to Ibiza and have a have an absolutely mad day in Ocean Beach in the sun, bouncing around to house music, a few vodka diet cokes, see how I get on and enjoy myself. But the second, it's probably much more likely and more rewarding in terms of like a dream day, if we're talking about that, would be somewhere sunny as a start point. Probably exploring somewhere new that was visually striking and maybe it had some history or was just really beautiful to look at. It would need to have excellent food, which was either something 
new that tempted me to try something and experience something new, which is uh, an area in my life that I need to improve on, or something I already liked and like had a passion for that particular food and a taste for it. And I knew it was going to be like a very high standard. It was maybe authentic from that country or this particular restaurant was well known for it. So it'd be a day of like exploring and seeing things, eating well. And I'd probably train in the morning to start it off as well. That would be lovely. Like you come out into the sun, that kind of like post gym session pump and you're just like, I'm going to have a good day today. Question 13, who is a guest whose point of view you wildly disagreed with? Well, I brought, I brought a quote from episode 49 with Dr. Aziz and that was that's that's a long way back in the Bark archives. But I'm going to use some recency bias here because I found myself disagreeing really strongly at points with elements of what Richard Turn was saying when we were covering central bank digital currency. I think you can hear it in my questions that while I'm still trying to remain keen to allow him to expand his points and give context, I really want to push back because China is without a doubt a huge threat to global security. Its influence during the pandemic was notable and very negative from my from my perspective. And if the UK and US are exploring a similar level of control of how the population spend their money via central bank digital currency, then I'm going to push back on that and I'm going to rebel as much as possible. I'm going to question it and I'm going to hope my audience ask questions about where we're heading from that regard because one of my primary values is freedom of how I spend my money, when and what I buy. Um, so yeah, that was a guess that I I, I I typically disagreed with on quite a lot of what they had to say, albeit they're extremely knowledgeable. Question 14, what are your next set of fitness goals after completing the 12-week peak this year? Now, I've yet to set any, and that's a bit of a problem, which has meant that I've actually been coasting a little bit when it's come to training. For context, I am still training five days a week. I'm still hitting like 12,000 steps, but I'm not pushing myself that hard. It's what I would consider a... Uh, a focused and diligent approach for the majority of the population because I'm still tracking a lot of my calories. Probably 90% of the meals I eat like are, are, are tracked to the gram, but it's not intense for me. And I'm, I'm pretty much just on autopilot. It's all relative in that way where I think you feel a bit of a calm down when you've had a relentless pursuit of like a photo shoot physique or for somebody else, it might be like a wedding physique or something like that. And the events after the 12-week peak in particular, like the shoot itself and then the after party, like it was such an amazing like kind of accumulation of the hard work everyone came together and you, you felt great as a group it's natural to have a bit of a fall away so making sure that I set something up would be important in the in the medium term probably in the short term not so much so I'll, I'll probably set some strength goals for my front squat my squat uh, sorry my front squat my deadlift and probably another movement whether that's like a flat dumbbell press or a single arm dumbbell press that uh, I can work on. I think it'd be good to have those, but equally it's been good in many ways for training to still be a constant, but not to be the same big focus as it was before. It means I can put some of my energy into other things and I'm going to just use training for the short time anyway as a bit of an outlet and escape from desk worker stress and just enjoy those kind of five days that I'm doing. Question 15, do you think podcasting will be a forever hobby? Hobbies are a really interesting term, isn't it? I think it's a hobby for now, and I see myself doing this for the foreseeable future. I can't really imagine not recording on a weekly basis at least. And hobby, I'm going to have to revisit that. Okay, so ho hobby would mean like something that there's no skin in the game in in terms of fiscal or like pressure to create i suppose and i think it depends if the podcast was suddenly to become very financially viable as an alternative through sponsorships or listener investments or courses or books that were linked to the pod if that tipped over my corporate job and i thought i could sustain it and grow it while staying within my personal values and aims for the podcast and servicing the audience who've been with me from the very start then it's probably not just going to be a hobby. It's going to be the main thing. But I, I, I think I intend to keep recording for the foreseeable future. There's no end in sight to that. Do I think it will always be a hobby? I don't I don't know the answer to that. I never thought I would end up in the top 1.5% of the world. That was not one of the aims. The aim was to create good conversations. And we just end up here with what's good conversations, a bit of relentless work ethic, and you guys showing me the support and sharing it with your friends. Pretty much that's that's how it's all come to pass so far. 
Question 16. Do you think podcasting is a desirable trait to a female? What traits does it indicate? I wonder how many women fancy Joe Rogan. Maybe quite a few from like a masculine perspective, but maybe not that many because he's a podcaster. And he's funny as well, so that's probably like a, a factor. So I don't think podcasting is necessarily attractive or unattractive. But if you're thinking about traits, some of those traits could be pretty attractive if you're a good podcaster. So you tend to be a good listener. You tend to have an array of knowledge and a range of subjects. Or you, if it's a more specific podcast, you'll be like an expert in a particular subject area, which could be interesting because you're regularly talking about it. You're probably hardworking and you do a research for your guests if that's like a priority for you, which is probably attractive because you know quite a lot about the people that you're speaking to and these people you spend time with. So those are attractive traits. But do I think podcasting, like in terms of like, if girls are like, oh, I wonder who I really want to date when I'm older, like what job I'd want them to have. I don't know if podcaster would be top of the list, but it's probably not down the bottom either. A lot of really podcast oriented questions here. So let's get into them. So 17, what's the unique selling point of camera conversations that you think has separated it from the pack? Right, again, it's a really nice compliment. I, I don't think it's separate from the pack in many ways because I consume a lot of far larger podcasts than this one, but it is in the top 1.5% of the world, which means, of course, it must be separate from the vast majority of other podcasts. So I think the main thing that separated it from the majority is that it's been the consistency, but also the quality of the consistent uploads as well. Now, while I've never missed a Sunday upload since the 1st of April 2020, I've also never released an episode where I've been like, oh my God, like, why have I put that out there? And I've never really had the audience be like, feel that I've massively dropped my standards or question why I bothered sharing like a run of episodes where there's like nothing they wanted to listen to. I don't expect every episode to be listened to by every single person that subscribes because that's just, it's almost impossible to cater to every single person's taste and equally to cater to my own interests. So my interests will not align 110% with absolutely every guest and every conversation I release. But I think consistently releasing quality has been been massive. I think there's absolutely a skill to presenting and I think I had some flair for it and some practice at it from hosting meetings and presentations in my career. However, I think alongside my ability to be like a clear, tidy presenter, I think my research goes a long way. And making sure that I know a lot about my guests and can delve into different areas of them is something that regular guests will comment on me to before or after recording. They're impressed by that. And people assume people like Rogan, for example, just goes off the cuff each time. But he's the greatest conversationalist in the world at the moment. And best believe he actually does prep and he brings things up that he knows the guest done recently. He brings up current affairs that he knows the guest will have an interesting topic uh, take on. The work that I do to make sure that I know where to question and what to ask about definitely helps with better conversations and ensures that my guest feels that I like I'm well prepared but also my audience knows that I'm going to bring something interesting about the person that they're listening to even if it's somebody they've maybe never heard of before or even a topic they're not that sure of right here's somebody that just wants the tea spilt are you able to talk about leaving muscle fit <laughs> yes I can talk about it uh, those on my email list will know it was actually a pretty easy decision in the end earlier this year I'd worked with them for two and a half years and was a long-time customer before that. So it was a really it was a really good company for me to affiliate with at that point in time and for much of the relationship. But towards the end, they weren't happy with me and I wasn't happy with them either. And there's probably five main areas of friction. I pretty much just kind of copied and pasted and got this clear in my head from what I wrote in my email because that was the kind of most professional way for me to <laughs> articulate it. But the the first thing was, they, they massively reduce the quality of my offer to my audience. So any affiliate deal that I do, there needs to be value to me, of course, but massively needs to be value to the audience. Like, why would I promote something that wasn't a good deal for you? So they changed it so that orders, my £5 discount code Cambro was only available for orders over £60. Now, while most monthly orders, if you're ordering a load of meat, are quite often like a large spender over that. It forced people to spend more to get the same discount and the value that they used to get, even when they maybe did like a small shop. So for me, they were getting less value than previous. And that was a problem for me. It was just a bit of a, like kind of stuck in my throat. Secondly, there was a big shift in values. Now, 
they launched a campaign on toxic diet culture and they were asking us to create content for that. And it was focused on what they termed body inclusivity and health at all sizes through welcoming and being inclusive to the pursuit of fitness for all people. Now, I am massively about getting everyone involved, helping everyone become better, but claiming health at any size is an affront to logic. And I'm also not part of a toxic diet culture. Like, if you don't want to diet, that's nothing to do with me. Like, if you aren't interested in looking after your body, that's nothing to do with me either. I want to encourage people through muscle food at that point to buy healthy, nutritious food and look after their bodies. And that was the message I was sharing. It wasn't an affront to like, oh, everyone needs to diet to like 6% body fat and, and if you don't, you're a disgrace. Like that's that's absolutely mad. And I'm not going to be part of a message that ignores genuine health. Like telling people that health is at all sizes is just an affront to logic. Thirdly, there was pressure to create an authentic content. So one, that last piece of content would have been inauthentic if I put my weight behind it. But I rarely made reels apart from like podcast clips or yeah, that's probably the main time I post a reel there was demand for me to do like cooking reels and like dancing reels and it's something I've never done or wanted to do it's just not on my skill set so we were coming into a bit of conflict over that as well fourthly they were asking for more for less now this is a little bit of an insight into the world of partnerships and affiliate deals my deal with them was to post three grid posts every single month that was the requirement alongside some caveats around the number of people that were using my code to hit a particular financial target for them now, they asked me to increase that three posts to four. While the remuneration I was getting in terms of voucher spend to use on their products was actually reduced, that's just bad business and it also leaves a sour taste in your mouth. So my drivers of my content have very rarely been purely financial. Like I would have sold a lot more stuff by now if that was the case. But equally, I won't be taken advantage of by a, a massive corporate business that can afford to pay you what you're worth or at least give you what you were getting before for the same amount of work. Now, the last and the fifth reason is there was a little bit of a clash. And I wrote at the time, many relationships end with a bang. And some <laughs> some are a smaller coming together. And this is probably somewhere in between the two. It wasn't explosive, but it was like a noticeable clash between myself and the, 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 the lady that was managing me at AMF. So they signed Gemma Collins, the star, <laughs> a bit inverted commas, from TOWIE. Now, Anyone that knows Gemma Collins knows that she has actually had a pretty fractious past with the fitness community and with general health. And she actually held up a sign outside her shop once saying, if you're thin, you're not coming in. And I just didn't agree that she fitted with a brand that's called Muscle Food. And the brand that I knew and signed up with would not have been like buzzing about signing Gemma Collins. Now, that, that didn't necessarily impact me. And I don't care about them signing her necessarily. But what didn't irk me was that they actually demanded I shared the news they were like oh share the post to your story that Gem is joining us and uh, promote and get behind her and like did Gemma share that I was joining Musselford no why would I share that she's joining Musselford she's nothing to me so I blanked the request didn't didn't share it and I got chased and at that point I emailed back and just said like I, I don't see the I don't see the synergy between the brand and her and I don't see why I would like put my weight behind her like She's got hundreds of thousands, maybe maybe even like a million followers. So what difference does me sharing her joining Muscle Food make? And this caused a bit of upset. Apparently it was a really big deal for the brand. And it was pretty much the final straw for both parties alongside those kind of four things that I mentioned. We had a conversation where I was like, well, I think we're, 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 we're just doing very, very different pages here. And since then I've aligned with another brand that covers food. So uh, Clean Foods Meal Prep, who have been incredibly supportive and importantly the way that I've been going with a greater focus in my content on productivity and time management it's actually even got better synergy to work with a brand that saves you time through meal prep to ever direct your door than it was to work with MF which still covered a lot of like requirement to do a lot of cooking and meal prep so uh, yeah it, it's worked out for the best but no happy to talk about it and I, like I think there was a wee bit of insight into like where some big companies are going when it comes to like their politically correct agenda and i just don't need to be part of it it's not necessary for me right a little run of rangers questions so if you're not interested in football at all skip forward a few questions three questions i think okay so 19 is barisic done at rangers right born a barisic is a very talented football footballer but he continually has spells throughout a season where you just cannot trust him to perform 
not even like a steady level, not even like a a six out of ten. He's either like a seven, eight, nine, or like a three or a two. Just dreadful. So you either get him full of confidence and whipping and crosses and confidently marking the opposition winger and like really standing up and heading the ball away and being like a solid part of the defense, or you have him scared, timid, weak, always passing backwards, not taking responsibility. So for me, I like consistency and reliability in many areas of my life, including the football players that I watch. So I would expect the new signing Yilmaz, if I pronounce that correctly, to play a lot more often, especially given the financial investment. So I don't know if Barisic is completely done, but I don't think he'll be the, the main left back moving forward. Number 20, right. Does it anger you Rangers will flop in the league again? <laughs> this comes from Dick Kelly from Crypto Glasgow, who is... Uh, always willing to mock Rangers when things are going wrong. So I certainly hope they don't flop in the league, and I don't think they will. And of course, I'd be angry if they did, because every season I want to win the league of Rangers. Uh, pretty much every, ever since Gerard came in and we were kind of fully recovered, kind of 2018, after the financial troubles of the the like 2012 era, uh, I expect Rangers to win the league, and I'm angry if they don't. 21, you're at three ideal Rangers signings. Now, by this, I take it money is no issue, which makes it a lot easier to answer because you can kind of just pick anyone in the world, can't you? Because I probably don't know a bit of what the players that Rangers will sign. So, for example, Yilmaz, the Turkish left-back, I'd never heard of him, but I've seen his YouTube highlights real and he looks good, but I would never have been able to find him. So <laughs> I don't watch loads of football outside of Rangers. So my three signings, number one is going to be Harry Kane. He was absolutely lethal when we was watching him play a full game for Spurs against Rangers in preseason. And yeah, he's just an absolute quality finisher and he's used to high levels of expectation. So he'd be used, he would hopefully adjust to the demands of the Ibrox crowd. Um, right, second. Now, this is only if he's able to keep playing for much longer, then it's going to be Luka Modric. I thought he was a massive reason in why Real Madrid won last year's Champions League and if you, whenever you watch him, he just comes up with like incredible passes and assists, and he absolutely loves uh, a thundering shot from long range, which ticks a lot of boxes that Rangers probably would benefit from in midfield in terms of searching passes and thundering goals. Now, the third sign I'm going to make is a little bit of a cheat, and it is I'm going to re-sign Alfredo Morelos on a five-year deal. I'm going to give him a new contract. I'm going to give him more money. Going to give him a longer deal. He's been my favourite for the past five years that he's been here, and I'd love for him to stay. I think a lot of people that know me know that I absolutely love Morelos. Right, 22. Will you do 15 life lessons for hitting 15k followers on Instagram? That milestone pretty much crept up on me because Instagram's been so stagnant largely for so long. I hit 10,000 followers back in 2018 when I was primarily posting like fitness content. So it's funny how long it's taken to gain the extra five, but I suppose I've not really massively played the game in terms of that Instagram would want you to do to massively grow. I've actually probably seen the last little bit of growth by doing more reels for the podcast clips and some of the more kind of semi-viral ones that I've had for like physique videos from the 12-week peak. And that's seen it grow. So I suppose you really do have to play Instagram's game and algorithm to get to growth figures which isn't massively important for me i'd much rather you all came and listen to my podcast to join my email list where i feel i can give you more value than on instagram but maybe i'll write a longer post on 15 life lessons writing 15k followers on instagram but while i've learned lots from posting on instagram i don't think 15k has taught me anything in particular in terms of that but maybe there's maybe there's a reason to do a post on that uh, 23. Are you still buying crypto? Yes. I'm still investing fortnightly or monthly or normally on a Sunday. And it really just depends where I'm at financially for that month. So if I've got more money left over after bills and stuff like that, then it's probably going to be fortnightly. But if it's restricted by my spending that I've got going on, then I'll probably be buying on a monthly basis. Pardon me. Uh, 24. What are the most undervalued crypto with the best ROI in your opinion? Right. If you're going along and you're looking at the bigger picture, then a lot of the valid, strong use case crypto coins are actually undervalued at this moment in time. But for me, since the bear market started, probably around kind of the turn of this year, I've mostly been buying Bitcoin when it's between 
19k and 24k that's in dollars as well as swissborg's own coin chsb because it's seen some pretty big lows and i feel that it's also a great opportunity to hoover up quite a lot of that at a lower value so i think undervalued crypto there's plenty of undervalued crypto if you're looking in the in the in the in the very very long term in the short term i'm not sure which ones you're going to see uh a run on during during this period because I think we're in for a kind of longer um, bear market. I feel pretty well loaded up on the other two coins that I like, which is XRP and Ethereum, because I got those at good prices over the last like two years or so, and I've tended to prioritize when I've seen like lower lows for Bitcoin and CHSB in recent months because I've just I think I'd like more of them for the longer term future. CHSB because I think it was down at like nineteen cent at one point and it's been up over a dollar before. And Swissborg is such a good platform for buying crypto that it's only going to go one way in the longer term in, in, in my mind. If you listen to my chat with Nick Maguli, Maguli sorry, recently, you'll hear his Just Keep Buying philosophy as well as the art of balancing a portfolio, which helped me to really keep things clear in my mind in terms of how much I'm buying and when, and also just like riding the wave of like what is like maybe a fairly turbulent time. Right, 25, this one is like, where I can try and give you some real value from this conversation rather than me telling you about my thoughts on Rangers. 25, what are your favorite ways to improve time management? I've recently taken on another job and now have three. Well, well done to you. And um, I'm excited to see what you do with those three different jobs, mate. Um, I'm going to share three time management tips then for three jobs. And they're largely influenced by the work of Nirial, who's been on the podcast. I was lucky to interview him. So it's worth listening to that episode separately if you want to better manage your time as well. Um, now, right, number one. The first time management tip for me would be change your identity and make a pact with yourself. So decide that you're no longer the person that's going to get distracted or not do the things they said they're going to do. Instead, decide you're a person who gets things done when they say they're going to do them because your values just no longer align with being distracted or not doing them. It's actually one of the most common ways that people permanently stop smoking. They just stop identifying as a smoker. They just identify as a non-smoker. So you, as a, somebody that's time is more stretched than before, you can take on the identity of somebody who's indistractable or you can swap indistractable for productive. So start to style your own identity and base your habits on that embrace like what would somebody who's productive do so when you feel the urge to check your phone ask yourself a question would somebody who is productive or indistractable be checking their phone during this task and if you're serious about your new identity you'll maintain those habits and behaviors of that identity as well and reinforce them as you go secondly recognize your triggers now i'm not necessarily talking about external triggers like notifications on phones almost all of them should be off anyway don't argue with me on that point because it's vital that you manage your environment but i'm actually meaning internal triggers and near explained that to me human behavior is prompted by a desire to escape discomfort that means that time management is pain management so when we look to escape from something we're looking to escape discomfort become aware of how you're feeling when you find yourself get distracted so when you feel like oh i need to check instagram think about like what was it that what were you trying to escape from what were you uncomfortable with and the more self-aware you are the easier it will be to manage so what feelings made you want to stop the task for me it's often things like a bit of uncertainty about what's coming next if i'm writing a hard email for a client and i'm not sure what to say next i'll check linkedin or i'll go and reply to an internal email that's easier to reply to this is escaping the uncertainty and this discomfort of what I need to do next. I'm looking to avoid pain. And when I know this, when I recognize this, I can surf that urge. I can ride out that feeling. I can keep working. Now, unless I acknowledge it and understand those feelings and accept them, I'm going to keep trying to escape that pain as quickly as possible. It's a human nature for me to be like, right, I need to get that out of the way. So take some time to think about how you're feeling when you seek distraction. Write it down if you need to. And then next time it comes around, refuse it. Thirdly, use a time box calendar. Now, I love a to-do list. A lot of people have seen like my to-do list on my on my Instagram stories, and it's written out. But it's not it's not enough to know what you need to do. You need to know when and how long it's going to take. A time box calendar allows you to do that. 
and you can plan that in advance. So this can help curb external triggers as well. And you can also plan in time to relax, which is something that I definitely benefited from. So commit to time in your diary when you're going to be doing the important things in your to-do list, but also commit to when you're going to catch up on WhatsApp, when you're going to watch YouTube or Netflix. And the main difference with it being planned in is that when you do it, you intend to do it and it isn't being used as a distraction tool to take you away from the things that you need to do. It's there as activity that you actually want to do and need to do, and it's not just a distraction. So hopefully that's three different areas that you can help improve your time management and make the most of your time now that you're, you're working these three jobs. Right. 26. I'm smiling just reading this. How inspiring is it for you to see Chris Williamson on GRE? So Chris appearing on Joe Rogan is amazing, isn't it? And he's he's a, he's a real role model. He's a mentor, both as an online personality in terms of somebody that I consume a lot of his content, but I'm also lucky to host him on the podcast. He was the first episode. I've met him in person at a shoot. And we even WhatsApp sometimes about different questions I've got around the podcast, which he's been able to help me with. So to see him have a three and a half hour conversation on Rogan, which he conducted himself so well on, and it was everything you would expect in terms of being articulate and clear and bringing different ideas, concepts, frameworks, and ideas to the table. It was incredibly impressive. So yeah, very, very inspiring and great to see him continue to, to, to do so, so well. 27, three questions to go. What's one thing you continue to struggle with despite working on it? My golf swing. <laughs> My golf's been better this year, actually. No, no, no jokes. I know I've laughed there, but I've played a lot better. But what's one thing I'm working on? I'd say it's a struggle to not feel like I'm working on something or doing something productive. By that, I mean, there's times when I am... I'm quite good at switching off and escaping, but then there's times when there's like, I'd describe it as peaks and troughs. There's times when I'm a lot more hard on myself for thinking I'm not doing something that's either contributing to the podcast or contributing to my fitness or contributing to my income through work. And by not like feeling, by feeling like guilty about time off, it's it's, it's not healthy. So I, I do work on that a lot. So I, I do struggle with not not working. And I'm I'm at my best when I'm with friends or I'm doing something like golf or watching football or anything that like consumes me or grabs me and means that I'm not thinking about other things that are on my to-do list for tomorrow or things like that. So watching Netflix for me is quite a struggle and I really do it. I probably manage it once like once every couple of weeks for like half an hour maximum. And I, I just don't think I get a massive like positive feedback loop from the experience. And while struggling to not do something productive is a blessing in some ways because I get a lot done, it can be a curse because it doesn't allow you to do some of the normal things that other people do. But at this point in time, I probably don't consider myself to be massively normal. However, I did mention when I was talking about Neuriel, you can put on your to-do list things like relax. So for me, it's been things like scheduling in what's maybe not considered productive if you're looking at like growing your your business or growing your podcast like non-work and non-project things on my list are really important so ticking off I went for a walk with a friend or ticking off I watched that football match it kind of tricks my controlling brain into feeling some sort of achievement which is a good is, is a good little hack for those that struggle to switch off and not and, and not and not push themselves so that's an area that I do work on all the time but I still do struggle with sometimes not switching off but sometimes it's better than others 28 are there any particular facets of your character that you think make up too much of your personality that if you removed could leave you vulnerable or exposed so many personality questions in my dms recently after the thomas erickson episode and i think based on my test results from disc that i talked about kind of during the conversation with thomas as well and the results that i've got from doing jordan peterson's understand me self-authoring test I think a big part of who I am is my intensity of action and being known for doing the things that progress me. And that maybe links to the things that I struggle with in the previous, but I think that part of my identity is largely positive on myself and those around me. And it gives me fulfillment to do the things I said I was going to do. And it makes me feel like a uh, very pleased myself and proud of how I'm conducting myself. If you remove the diligent kind of focused, hardworking part of my personality, then maybe I'd be more vulnerable to like, 
sadness or maybe I'll be more volatile, which at the moment I'm I'm very level, very happy. And I'd be less of the man that I would like to be if that if that wasn't there for me. Right, 29, final question. Most well-known celebrity phone number you have in your phone and how did you get it? Well, I've mentioned him already in this podcast and he's just been on Rogan, so we can probably say Chris Williams was now a celebrity. Would that be fair? And we do watch WhatsApp each other. I sent him a congratulations message when he had Jocko on and obviously said to him how, how amazing it was to see him on on Rogan. And I was finding out when he's back from Austin in terms of which Jordan Peterson shows that he's going to because he's really friendly with both Jordan and, and Michaela now. So yeah, um, Chris has been on my podcast and in terms of how I got that number, yeah, I think I had his number from being on the pod and then I introduced him to two different brand deals. So one with Slater Menswear and one with Factory Weights. And generally we, we speak not super often, but occasionally on WhatsApp about podcast queries and he's, he's been a really help from that perspective. Since I've already mentioned Chris, maybe another celebrity would probably be Simon Thomas. And that was through being introduced to him on WhatsApp by Chris Reeve, who again is another podcast guest. Chris is really good mates with Simon, known him since he was really, really young. And Simon's been a bit of a mentor figure to him. And so I've got Simon on WhatsApp to uh, to, to arrange the podcast that I had him on for. So yeah, there's there's two celebrity phone numbers that I've got on there. I, I didn't have anything really, really juicy. But yeah, Chris and Simon are, are two bigger uh, personalities that are <laughs> in my phone book. But that's, that's a wrap. That's 29 questions wrapped up. Hope you've enjoyed the podcast. Um, we just continue to keep growing and it's not possible without the support of you guys. So please do keep leaving your reviews on Apple and Spotify. Please keep supporting me and sharing it with friends. And if you do feel generous enough, you can obviously buy me a coffee, which will be linked in the show notes on this one as well. But that's that's quite enough. I'm, I'm going to be back in your ears very, very soon. So uh, this is a Sunday release and you're going to get another one on Wednesday and then the other Sunday after that. So we're doing two a week for the start of August. And I hope you all appreciate it. And I'll be back to speak to you all again very, very soon.